Hello and welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul, Justin Baker, co-host here in studio. Say hi to everybody, Justin. Yeah, you can't see, but I'm waving right now. Something that you can't do with your left arm. Yeah, no, I can't. I'm I'm all all uh, all finger bandaged up and yeah, yep. Surgery Wednesday, so uh, it'll be it'll be a party. I'll be on all the. All the meds. All the meds. They'll be giving me lots and They're lots. They're giving you a bucket and just say, just put your hand in here and grab some meds. And yes, just just take a handful, <laughs> throw them in your mouth. And uh, don't worry, there's no chance you could get addicted to anything in this bucket. Not, not a problem. Um, so on today's show, we are going to do the opposite of what we did on a, a previous show. Uh, a little bit earlier in the season, we did our biggest surprises to start the season. And now we want to just kind of jump through every team in the NHL, spend a minute on each team just talking through the biggest disappointments so far. Um, I I mean, when you right now when you look at the standings, it's a uh, – some divisions are like, okay, yeah, I mean, you know, the Central Nashville. Okay, Minnesota is kind of up there right now. But Winnipeg, Colorado, kind of the way we, we expected it other than St. Louis in last place, but they've played only 12 games. So we'll see. They, they still got lots of time to turn it around. Uh, whereas, geez, like the Metro is just strange with the Islanders leading the way with uh, 17 points, winning their last five in a row. I mean, it just – you know, people panic after 10 games, but you don't have to. You, know, you go on a streak like that, you win five in a row, suddenly you're in a playoff spot and leading the division perhaps. And yeah, look at Philly last year, so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, Philadelphia is in, in pro, you know, it's just, it takes a three-game winning streak to go from seventh to almost first. Yeah. So right now, it just, everything can be flipped. But let's go from, uh, we'll, we'll start here in the Western Conference. Uh, let's just start with the last place team in the Central. We'll roll through the Central, and then we'll head over to the Pacific. We'll roll through the Pacific last to best, and then uh, and then we'll do the same for the East. So with that said, your biggest disappointment for the St. Louis Blues. Ooh, St. Louis. Uh, I got to say coaching. And I say that okay. because I, I've mentioned it before, but you, there's like a lack of confidence with this team. And... Um, I think when you got a coach that comes out and publicly says, oh, you know, I'm on the hot seat, right? That's that's not good. And, and we just saw Stevens get fired in L.A., right? So, um, yeah, much. Remember last season, no coaches had been fired. Right. It was like it was the first time since 19, I believe, 66. No coach has been fired midseason. Yeah. Which is a crazy stat. So yeah. and we have one fired in the first 12 games or so. Right. So season. what I mean, essentially what that does is it kind of it almost tightens the noose around every other coach in the NHL. Like get your shit together or you're out of here. Yeah. Also because, because now LA is looking for a new coach mm-hmm. and I, I know they have Willie Dejard in there, but he hasn't been officially named the head coach. Right. Uh, so they're looking for a new head coach. So any team now that goes, we're not really sure here. And we know we really like this guy over here. Well, he might get snatched up by another team. So you start to see some teams yeah, just, act more quickly this year. And St. Louis give Ken Hitchcock a call again. I say, hey, come on back. We need you. Right. <laughs> but hey, so what's your biggest disappointment with this team? Um, you know, when it comes to their special teams, they're fantastic. I mean, they're third best power play in the NHL. Uh, to me, it's that five-on-five play that's very disappointing. I mean, if you have a 31.3% power play, uh, 
you I mean you've got a good opportunity to uh to do some good things. I mean 31.3% on the power play, third in the league. So I mean they've they've been able to really uh work magic on the power play, but 5 on 5, I mean they're in shot attempts over 60 minutes, they're 27th in the league. Uh ironically, the teams slightly lower than them are the Vancouver Canucks and the New York Islanders both leading their divisions. So uh, take that for what it's worth, but uh, it just doesn't seem like they're producing much five on five. I mean, when you have seventy-seven shots in twelve games or being outshot five on five, you're not going to win many games. Nope, they're getting dominated five on five, and you would think that maybe some of that really good power play would uh, would be able to offset some of that, uh, but they're also their power their penalty kill has been pretty average 15th in the league at about 80 percent so not terrible but uh i'd say they're five on five play for me is their okay biggest Surprise, disappointment. surprising that nobody said jake allen there so well jake allen was uh i mean he's not a disappointment to me because he he's already a disappointment <laughs> like you can't become a disappointment when you are just a walking disappointment trophy <laughs> Most disappointing player of He's the year. The participation the trophy. The MDP. Wow. Most disappointing player. I'm making that up, and it's going to be our... The MDP. Our trophy that sits here. Yeah, yeah we'll table. have to have some, an MDP award at the end of the year. Jake Allen can't get it this Front year runner. because he's already disappointed us before. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's scoot on over to the Chicago Blackhawks. The Blackhawks. All right. Uh, for me, uh, I'm going to single out one person, and I guess in a larger picture... It, it's their depth, but Chris Kunitz, um, to me, has been most disappointing on this team. Two assists through 14 games right now. A guy who, you know, looked really good as a depth forward, a top nine player in Pittsburgh. And I expected him to come in and maybe not necessarily be a point per game, a point every other game player, but provide a little bit more offense than what you've gotten. And that pretty much sums up Chicago's depth as a whole as to why they're in last or second to last place. Yeah, I guess the the thought might have been, oh, we can bring in Chris Kunitz and he's played so well with certain players over the years. And he, he's just, I mean, he's on his last, this is probably his last stop, maybe one more. But uh, to me, their most disappointing Thing is their power play. Power play is ranked 27th. They're only 14% on the power play of 50 opportunities and only scored seven times. Yeah, that's shocking when you have a lot of skilled guys like DeBrinket and Kane and even Jonathan Taves for that matter. They, a guy who will win the faceoff in the power play zone. They also have allowed three shorthanded goals. Ooh. So, I mean, they're, they're really plus four in 50 power plays, which is, what, 8%? 8% of the... I mean, they've, they've scored more than that, but that's... You know, if you if you take those shorthanded goals away, they're about eight percent. So that's a pretty sad power play, especially for a team with the likes of Patrick Kane, DeBrinket, Taves. It's just I think that it's uh, they, they're one of the few teams that when you look at them, you go, you know, there's a lot of teams that are putting four forwards out and only one defenseman, and they're a team where you go, well, I mean. You could do that, but you could also not do that because is your fourth forward better than Duncan Keith? That's a <laughs> that's yeah. That's Chicago. Uh, the Dallas Stars. Uh, they have they have won three in a row now. They're eight five and zero with sixteen points. So I mean, in uh, in the Eastern Conference, they'd be in 
you know, second place in the Metro and third place in the Atlantic right now, but instead they're fifth place in the Central. Uh, what's your most disappointing thing about these stars, though, so far? Honestly, it's the exact same thing as Chicago. It's the depth forward position. Um, a guy who I, I spoke on our last podcast about not being so high on, Erratic Fasca, uh, I believe only has four points through 13 games right now, and that's, to me, a little underwhelming. Yeah, and and they just, beyond that top line, it, again, five on five, yeah. they are incredibly disappointing. They're not getting results. Well, and, and I guess I guess the thing is that the last three games, they have been getting some results from, from other players. Uh, I would say for me, Val, uh, Valerian Nichushkin is the most disappointing. Uh, has, only, has only gotten into eight games because of injury, but... Uh, only two assists in those games, and he really was supposed to be the guy that they added in the off season as their new top six forward. And if you remember, you know he left, went to the KHL, and now they finally get him back, and he really has had no impact so far. And to me, he was kind of their okay. We're getting a, a legitimate top six forward onto our team, which is going to change the the second and third lines, and it just has not done that so far. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche. Most disappointing thing about the seven four and three Avalanche. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll start here. Please. Uh, defensively, they have. I guess we expected them to not be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are playing a pretty high flying offensive game. They're the tied for the highest scoring team in the league right now with fifty two goals. So they uh, are scoring goals at will. Uh, but also not being able to get it done in extra time over the course of a full season. I mean, we, we've seen teams where it really helps them just getting that overtime point. But when you look back at the end of the year, I mean, we're only 14 games in. You already lost three games in overtime. So, you know, you spread that out over the course of a year and potentially you've lost 15, 16 games in overtime. And... When I really look at their record, I I tend to just bunch those two numbers together, and I look at Colorado, and I go, okay, you're seven and seven, and that to me is pretty disappointing for a team that's supposed to be on the up and up, has maybe the best line in hockey, and uh, Miko Rantanen is ridiculous, averaging like one point five points a game, and uh, more than that even, and so for it, that this team to be seven and seven, uh, I think that they need to. Maybe pull it like rein it in on the offensive side in order to keep goals out because as the season goes on, we know it's it's hard harder to score goals and if you keep playing wide open all the time, this seven you know they lost seven six to Vancouver, so <laughs> that's in their in their last game. So I mean that's uh, you know other teams can score too if you are just willing to play a wide open game and it, it yeah. certainly limits your uh, your chances of winning. Yeah. throughout the season. And I think that kind of ties into my most disappointing thing about them is the goaltending. Um, when they made the trade for Philip Grubauer, I said, this is an awesome, excellent trade. I mean, they basically got him for nothing because they were getting sure. draft picks to take Brooke, to buy out Brooks Orpec. But they bring in a guy who is was one of the best backups in the league last year, who I think was like the next bona fide you know, starter in terms of Martin Jones, Cam Talbot, those types. So far, Grubauer... 836, 4.81 goals against. And, and again, this kind of speaks a little bit more to the f- team in front of them, too. I'm, it's not all their fault, but they 
they got to stop some pucks. Verlamov, 875, 4.18 goals against. I mean, any way you slice it, they're not getting good goaltending regardless of the team in front of them because I guarantee you, um, I don't care what kind of defense you put in front of them. Those numbers are just atrocious if you're letting that kind of stuff up. So to me, the goaltending, that's that's where it's at right now. Okay. Yeah. All right. The Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I would have said maybe like a week and a half ago, mm-hmm. I would have said Patrick Laine is the biggest disappointment. But, yeah. you know, he got to go home and he scores, what, four goals in those two games, gets yeah. a hat trick in Finland. And, uh, you know, those games came at, at a perfect time because that was, you know, right after I hurt my arm. <laughs> I'm sitting around and uh, I go and I look at my phone and I go, oh, wait, there's a game going on and it's 2 p.m. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so that was a that was a great little midday snack for me. Midday you know, snack. Midday snack. Uh, but in terms of uh, disappointing players thus far, uh, I mean, I, I guess I'd have to look at Connor Hellebuck and go, I mean, he just hasn't played the way that we expected him to. And it is the reason why Winnipeg's fourth in that division right now. I mean, Hellebuck's five five and one. He's a nine zero seven save percentage. Uh, is this him coming back down to life a little bit? I, I don't think that this is. I don't think that this is who he is. Statistically speaking, I think that he's better than this. But was last year a little bit of an anomaly in terms of where he actually lies in, say, like our top fifteen goalies in the league. I mean, that's fair to, fair to say. Um, you know, I mean, his save percentage right now is at a 907, which you bump that up 10 points, which is at a respectable 917. Then maybe this team gets a couple more wins, and now they're back up, you know, top of the division, you know, where they need to be. Um, for me, though, I disagree. I think Patrick Lane is the most disappointing thing for me right now. And I say that because, you know, 14 games in, you take away those two games, and essentially he has – three goals through 12 games and that's fair that, yeah that is true um i i expect i mean granted i'm hoping now like you said those the hat trick going back home to finland hopefully that kind of jump started the engine and he's gonna get going now which would be great for this team because they need him to score if they want to keep winning games especially if hollabuck does play at the level he is at right now right and uh, i'll also throw in brendan lemieux getting suspended today for two Ugh. games uh, on top of that zero points in nine games so uh just a a guy who who's supposed to at least be able to cause some havoc, and you'd think that maybe he'd get a few points here and there, but uh, none through the first nine games of the season for him. Okay, the Minnesota Wild in second. Uh, Surprisingly in second. Surprising, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's it's hard to nail down a, a disappointing thing about this team in, in some respects. Undefeated at home, 5-0-12. In regulation, 5-0-2. They just got done putting a wall up on the St. Louis Blues a couple nights ago, and seven two and one in their last ten games. But their most your most disappointing thing about the Minnesota Wild this season? Well, it's not the worst thing about them, maybe, but I would probably say their power play, in my opinion, it's at a you know bottom half of the league, eighteen point six. It's not terrible like the Blue Jackets at ten percent, which I may say that about them, but we will talk about that later. Um, yeah, I I think with like we talked about some of the higher end talent they have, guys who should be scoring, guys who should be producing more points. Uh, this is an area where I think if they can improve on just a little bit, uh, the good goaltending they have, the great defense they're getting right now, and they they're getting excellent five on five play. I think it you know could propel them to stay atop this division. Okay, my most disappointing there uh, really I can just point at a single player, 
and go, I mean, Nino Niederreiter, 25 goals two seasons ago in 2016-17 with 57 points. He falls to 32 points last year, still manages 18 goals in, in 63 games. So, I mean, he played quite mm-hmm. a few less games. Um, so not that much of a difference in terms of production. Uh, if he had played those full other 19 games, he maybe would have been around the 48-point mark. So, you know, that's with probably within the margin of error for him. Uh, but zero goals through 13 games, just five assists, and uh, just absolutely nothing on the power play. Only 23 shots on goal for uh, for Nino Niederreiter, so not even two shots a game. Wow. And so uh, I, I guess I would say shoot the puck a little bit more, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with Nino Niederreiter, a guy who is supposed to really be a part of this core. And uh, to me... I when I think about Nino Niederreiter, I see a guy who he needs to go. Like he is somebody who's needs taking go, huh? he's he's taking up good amount of ice time for this team. He's in their top six, and he just maybe needs a fresh start because it's just not working for him in uh, in Minnesota anymore. Uh, okay, the Nashville Predators first place eleven and three with twenty two points to lead the NHL. Yet. Uh, you're incredibly disappointed with something about them, aren't you? Incredibly. Uh, same as Minnesota, the power play. Um, you look at it, it's at the second worst at 11.8%. Um, they just, with all the talent they have on that team, it's shocking to me that they can't score more on the power play. I mean, you got one of the best goal scorers in the league, Philip Forsberg. Um, you got a couple... Who does have three power play goals. Yeah. So, I mean... He is When all scoring. is said and done, he's he's on pace for, but, you know, a good solid 15 or to 20 power yeah, play goals. And that's... Which would be great. It's about where he should be. But, I mean, you think P.K. Subban, Ryan Johansson, Victor Arvidsson, Roman Yossi, I mean, they're they're set up to they, where they should have... No power play goals from a defenseman through 14 games for the Nashville it's, Predators. It's crazy. And uh, when you, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's been, it's they been got guys pretty, that can unload on the power play, but can't do it. I, I don't get it. I mean, PK Subban shooting at 5.1% right now. So, I mean, that's probably going to go up a few points, hopefully. So, yeah. And I think that the, that power plays for the most part have gotten away from that. Like, let's just get it back to the point, let the bomb fly and guys will whack in the rebound. That's generally not the accepted way of do, running a power play anymore it's a lot more about getting the puck into the slot and getting that you know sniper his shot which they're only real i mean you got to think victor arvidson should be getting some opportunities more on the power play I mean, he has zero power play points through 12 games uh it just I, I think this team will probably figure it out won't be in the bottom of the league in terms of power play when all is said and done uh but yeah it's something that as an eleven and three team, I guess you know what are you what are you going to improve on? You've got lots of time to work on whatever you want because clearly everything else is working. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, let's uh, let's swing over to the the pack division. The pack, huh? The pack. All uh, right, let's the go. LA Kings just fired John Stevens, Willie Desjardins taking over, and uh, LA actually won their they won and then they fired their coach. Yeah, doesn't happen too often. <laughs> and they and they beat a. A pretty good Columbus team, four to one. Shorthanded uh, penalty kill, yeah, by Dustin Brown. That was nice. Yeah. Finally, finally scoring. Right, Dustin Brown. Uh, four eight and one, only nine points. Their last place in the league. A minus seventeen goal differential, which is uh, worst in the league. Second or the second is uh, Detroit at minus sixteen. But beyond that, there's nobody even really close. So, to you. 
it's hard to find one thing that's disappointing with this team, but uh, where where are you pointing the finger the most? Yeah, toss up between a couple things. I think right now I'm going to point at leadership on this team. Uh, Anze Kopitar in particular. Six points through 12 games. I mean, not necessarily his fault, but he is averaging pretty dang close to 23 minutes a night, which for a forward is ridiculous. Well, I mean, maybe that's coaching hasn't been very good. Sure. That's why he got fired because... He should be down around 20. No, absolutely, yeah. And I think if you, you know, maybe play him less, maybe, you know, he's a little fresher every game. Maybe he can go out and move the legs a little quicker towards the end of the game to produce when needed. But, you know, I I, I need a little bit more production out of him. I think he needs to lead the way in terms of trying to get this team back into where they need to be. Kovalchuk's been fine. I didn't expect him to be a fast player at all. So uh, he's doing what he needs to do. Carter, to me, still still fine. Doughty's there. Um but yeah, Kopitar needs needs to get it going a little bit more for me. Um, when when I look at Tanner Pearson, the guy who's played all thirteen games and has one assist, I mean that he's not the only problem. Yeah, but that pretty much sums up the LA Kings. When one of your better players in thirteen games doesn't even have a freaking secondary assist, <laughs> he, he never he he dumped the you dump the puck in. And someone else passes it to another player, and they score, and you get an assist because oh well, you dumped the puck in. Uh, if Ilya Kovalchuk is leading your team in scoring, and this is 2012, yipes, you're probably in good shape. But it's 2018, moving into 19, and Ilya Kovalchuk 11 points in 13 games. Uh, offensively, this team is going nowhere, and they just need to uh, probably move some pieces. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think maybe Pearson is a candidate to get moved by a team that says, hey, get him a fresh start somewhere else with maybe some speedier guys around, maybe he can still produce? But I, I mean, I think Jeff Carter is the most obvious player to move. Okay. Because you're not going to move Kopitar. No. Uh, you're not going to move Dowdy. Kovalchuk just signed there. He's not going anywhere. Uh, you'd love to maybe unload a Dustin Brown, uh, which, hey, Dustin Brown is really, in terms of points per game, he's got four points in three games this year. <laughs> uh, maybe he was just the missing plug. Uh Maybe a Jake Muzzin is a guy you can offload. I've, I've been hearing Alec Martinez's name float around Alec, a little bit too. Alec so. Martinez. I mean, that's that's fine, but what are you going to get for Alec Martinez? He's a he's a five. A third rounder. A five defense. A fifth defenseman. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that you trade at the deadline and you get a few peanuts for your trouble. Uh, few this peanuts. team, to me, is is they they're probably going to get worse before they get better. Uh, okay, well, we've spent enough time with the Kings. Let's yep. go to the Vegas Golden Knights, maybe one of the most disappointing teams thus far. Both of us had them at least contending for a playoff yeah. spot in our rankings in the preseason. and uh, Still time, still time. Still time, but sitting at 6-7-1 and one, and uh, atrocious away from home, only 2-5. and five. So what are they doing? What aren't they doing? Um, for me, Max Pacioretty is... Really massive disappointment. Yeah, two goals in ten games. That's I mean, no no assists. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I think not having Paul Stastny there has a little bit to do with it, but but he played with worse guys in Montreal. Yeah, I know and did that's a little thing. better, right? Yeah, so I expected a little bit more production from a guy like that, a guy who they brought in to basically they said, okay, let's get rid of Tatar and bring in Max Pacioretty, who's going to score more goals. And it seems like Tatar is just destroying it right what now. A, in Montreal. What a terrible mistake! And yeah. and I mean. They're they're gonna pay. I mean, Patrick has a new deal next year. Yeah, that's gonna pay him seven, $7. million dollars. <laughs> uh, good luck with that, Vegas. You may have just expansion teamed your own expansion. Yeah, team. good good thing they got Alex Tuck locked up. So I think he's gonna work out pretty well. 
Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we, I, you know, I'm going to say William Carlson to me is the biggest disappointment. Pacioretty, okay, he comes in, he's the new guy. Sometimes you just need some time to get used to a new system, especially when you're coming from Claude Julien, uh, going and playing with Gallant. I think that's just a big switch. Uh, and, and remember before that, he was playing with, uh, gosh, what's his name in Montreal, who the, the head coach before Julien, French guy, another French oh, guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dang, I can't remember his name. He coached Pittsburgh, too. Uh, yep. Michelle Therrien. Michelle Therrien. Yeah. There you go. Uh, three goals in 14 games. So, I mean, really, he's on pace to barely score 20 goals after scoring 40 last year. Uh, he's got to figure it out. And honestly, his shooting percentage, 12 and a half. I know that that's, uh, he had, a, I think, over 20% last year. But he's not shooting uh, terribly. But in 14 games, he only has 24 shots on goal. Compare that with Jonathan Marcheseau, who through 14 games has 61 shots on goal. So uh, William Carlson just needs to start shooting the puck. Okay. The Arizona Coyotes, 7-5, and five, have won their last five. So Doing good. Uh, maybe a little bit, you know, it's, it's hard to tell what team is the team. This team is so Jekyll and Hyde, but uh, your most disappointing thing so far. Um, man, you know, first off, I just want to compliment their, their penalty kill, how well that's playing right now. I mean, it, it seems like they're what 92% and they score shorthanded goal almost every night. <laughs> Ridiculous. Seven, seven shorthanded goals. They're scoring a, a shorthanded goal about every two out of three or, uh, every third night. Not even better than that. So yeah, that's uh pretty fantastic. Uh, but in terms of your disappointments, uh, yes, um, I'm going to have to say Christian Fisher, and I only say that because he just, if I'm not mistaken, he's yeah, only got two goals, I believe it is right now. Not not so hot. He's he's coming up next summer where he can sign a extension on July 1st. So um, yeah, I think he he's one of the guys that they're going to count on for depth to help move them forward into the future. So I, I want to see a little bit more out of him. Hopefully, he'll pick it up a little bit more. I know there's some other guys. Um, this this team isn't a team that I expected to you know be like Toronto or the Islanders where they're going to score a ton of points every night and have to worry about defense. I, I figured they're going to win you know tight games three to one two to one type things. So I, I'd like to see a little bit more out of him and in the depth as a whole. So for me, it's Dylan Strom, okay. third overall pick, uh, a guy I think we talked last show and I said that I I don't really like him. I think that he's this draft Sam Bennett and uh, <laughs> that he will likely not live up anywhere close to his uh, potential that everyone thought he had. Uh, to me, this, this is where it really is telling that uh, early on in the season, he's getting third game of the season, 17 minutes, 18 minutes, and all of a sudden he drops to 12, 14, 12, 14, 13, and 11, and his shifts are just dropping as, as we've moved through this season, and he's just not... No, like he's not reliable, and it's clear he's not putting up the kind of offense that this team needs either. I mean, but overall, this team's offense in general is has been pretty pedestrian. It's been very bad. Yeah, Only thirty five goals for. I mean, in this division, it's it's sixth place, uh, and, and they would be last place in the central. <laughs> they're they're pretty rough, but their defense has or their goaltending, I should say, has been unreal they've only allowed 24 goals no other team has is in the even in the 20s there's one, a couple teams in the 30s and that's it Ouch. everyone else is in the 40s so 
Arizona stingy defensively, and that's how they're going to have to win. Okay, uh, the Anaheim Ducks, your most disappointing aspect of the Ducks so far this season. That's um, six, six, and three. Yeah, uh, goal scoring as a whole. And I say that because um, if you look at the three worst teams that scoring goals, they're all in the Pacific Division. LA's the worst, Vegas second, and the Ducks third worst at scoring goals. And I, I kind of wanted to throw in an asterisk and maybe say a tie for injuries with this team because that's very disappointing. Mm-hmm. And Getzlaff is a, yep. keeps in and out of the lineup. Game yeah. Too, so. so me, I'd like to see more goal scoring from this team because they need it if they're going to compete at all because they've got ridiculously good goaltending too, just like Arizona. So they need they need to score some goals if they want to compete. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna reiterate the injuries is just that it there's there has to be something going on this team always seems to be hurt always i don't know if it's training i don't know like, i don't know what's going on but or if it's just style of play i'm not sure uh, but to me something needs to change with this team because it's just not working and uh i mean i think this is probably their last shot at anything uh, I mean, hey, Cam Fowler has a hat trick last night, scores his first three goals of the season. First three goals ever in a game. First hat trick ever. First hat trick ever. Yeah. But, but his first three goals of the season, 15 games into the season. Right. So uh, pretty pretty funny there. But, yeah, I, I just I think this team as a whole, just the offense is not there. And without Getzlaff, this team is, they are a disappointment. Uh, the San Jose Sharks, who I would say – you know, we expected them maybe to be better than where they where they're falling right now in the standings, seven, four, and three. They have been okay, but defensively much less stingy than they were last season. Last season, I believe that they were the best defensive team in the NHL, or and up there, so, anyways. Uh, San Jose Sharks. What are your thoughts on their most disappointing aspect? Mm, I'm going to go with the obvious, uh, Eric Carlson for me. Um, I'm not huge on plus minus stats, but when you look at his minus nine on a team with the kind of firepower they do. Yeah, yeah, it makes you wonder um, what's yeah. going on. You, you kind of got to peel back a few layers and be like, okay, there's a reason. Like when a guy's, you know, minus four, minus three, whatever, there's times where like a guy might step on the ice as he's doing a line shift because some guy comes off too early and they get scored upon, right? So you get those odd, you know, minuses against you. But when you get that far away from the rest of your team, yeah, the next closest is Kane, Evander Kane at minus four. So. Yeah, so who who is uh, Evander Kane to me might be my most disappointing player, even though he does have ten points through fourteen games, but only four goals. And uh, Timo Meyer, eleven goals. Yeah, leading Timo Meyer has been been rocking it. But I don't I, know. I don't expect that to continue. Twenty three point nine percent is what he's shooting, and uh, that that'll most likely come back down. But yeah, we'll we'll see. Uh, I mean, you'd love to see Joe Pavelski be a little more productive offensively too. So only six goals through 14 games, which is great, but no assists. Uh, so I mean, you're kind of, kind of has you scratch. It's just weird. This team is, should be a team that is able to put up uh, a lot of goals and, and they have scored a lot of goals, but they can't seem to keep it out of their net. So uh, the Edmonton Oilers at eight, four and one Oilers fans are thanking God that, uh, Cam Talbot at least hasn't been atrocious. Well, their backup is leading the league in wins. Is, yes. <laughs> yes. So your most disappointing thing, though, so far uh, with the Edmonton Oilers. So the obvious would be to poke fun at Milan Lucic again and call him the most disappointing because I believe he is leading the team in plus minus at minus six. But I am going to say 
Connor McDavid's right wing because nobody can seem to get a foothold on playing with him. You got Nuge and McDavid up there on the top line, which is great. And Dreisaitl, McDavid on three-on-three play is fine. But nobody, it's like right now with Pittsburgh, nobody can seem to find a place alongside that star player. And I and I get it. Those guys, they have an IQ that's way above most other guys on the team. Um, you know, McDavid, it's probably kind of hard to find, you know, Yamamoto, Tyratty for those guys to, to match the IQ level. But you have to at least match the hustle and the drive and the, you know, I guess just keep the play going like those guys always do. And they can't really seem to find anybody that gels well with McDavid. So for me, that's the most disappointing thing so far, because I think if this team wants to compete, they have to have a consistent line up there for him. Okay. Uh, To me, you don't look further than Ryan Strom, who was brought in to be a guy who played with Connor McDavid. And uh, he has zero points. He's played all 13 games. And I mean, he's not, it's not like he's not getting minutes. I mean, 14, 12, 13, 16, 14, 14, 17, 15. I mean, he's getting around 15, 14 to 16 minutes a game. And he just consistently is doing hard. I mean, he's, he, and in fairness, he's, he's at least getting some shots on goal. He did have five shots on goal against Chicago, but no points this season so far. And that is, I mean, you, the Oilers need production outside of Connor McDavid, especially what happens if Connor McDavid goes down and they're, you know, even for just a couple games, they're absolutely toast. Yep. So uh, need more production from the rest of their team. Okay. Uh, I feel like we're about to, we're just swinging through Western Canada now with the top three here. Yes, I, feel, we are. I think it was a few years ago where all three of these teams were the ones that made the playoffs. Yeah. It was Calgary, Vancouver. I, I guess it was would have been two 2006. years. 2006. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Vancouver, maybe the biggest surprise at nine and six. They're, you know, the only team right up in the top of their division with uh, a negative goal differential. But who cares? You know, who cares when you got Elias Peters? Doesn't matter. They've won three in a row, and uh, they are scoring in bunches. They're the second highest scoring team in the Pacific Division, and uh, yeah, let's. I, I I do think though. I mean. Sitting at nine and six, they haven't had any overtime losses. That can, I mean, think about all that. Like, let's look at the Pacific Division. Every other team but Arizona has an overtime loss. And when you look nine and six, you're like, oh, okay, Calgary's nine, five, and one. It, it sounds a lot better, but really, you've, you're still nine and six. You won nine and you lost six. You just happen to lose it at a certain time in the game. Uh, so to me, Vancouver. I mean, I guess, are they real? What's <laughs> And what are the, what's disappointing about them? To this? me, they're the same team as last year. I think they, they get off hot, and then they're going to cool off. Yeah, but I don't this think is the not injury, the same team as last it's year. Not, no, I, Elias Pettersson is ridiculous. He's on pace for 82 goals. Not going to happen, but... <laughs> I mean, Bo Horvat's on pace for about 40. Yeah, he looks pretty good, too. I, I love that. But um, the disappointing thing for me is the lack of production from the back end. I think right now they're, they're getting... Decent production from Edler. Uh, they got some guy named Troy Stetcher, who I had never heard of prior to this season. <laughs> so where yeah, did he come Stetcher's from? Okay, yeah. Um, but Erica Branson, Michael Delzato, guys that should help you a little bit on the back end, haven't really done a whole lot to impress me. I, I think their, their defense could use a little bit of help if they want to um, stay competitive, I guess, and stay at the top of this division. I think 
they need that and you know um a little bit better goaltending would be fine too but okay uh i'd say brock besser and his four goals in 13 games I'd okay to see him uh find that level that he was at last year when he got hurt and he had already scored almost 30 goals in his rookie season you're hoping he takes that next step could just be you know you get hurt your whole season's ended and some of that your rehab is actually your summer and so it takes a little while longer to get going i mean he does have 11 points in 13 games it's not like he's been playing bad but uh compared to his production last year i think you'd like to see him scoring a couple more goals every 10 games so uh, hard hard to say that we're disappointed with the team that we had no expectations for. Yeah, a team I expected to finish bottom three easily. Yep, yep for sure. And they still might. Uh, <laughs> but they may be this year's Vegas. Yeah. You know, there there does always seem to be one team where, or a couple teams where people, you're like, I did not have them anywhere near the playoffs. Colorado last year. Yep. I mean, yep. New yep. Jersey last year. Yep. A lot of people had both those teams finishing towards the bottom and, and uh, you know, one, two things change and suddenly they're a brand new team. Okay, the Calgary Flames currently leading the Pacific Division 9-5-1. and one. What are you disappointed about, though? A this bubble team? team for me. Uh, biggest disappointment would be James Neal. And I say that because mm. he's brought in to be a top six forward. Uh, three goals, four points through 15 games right now. No points in the power play. Yeah, just looking pretty bad. His, his minutes are all the way down to 15-ish, 16 a game, which I guess are second-ish third-line minutes, but... This is a guy I expected more out of and who was supposed to be a driving force for that second line at least, at the very least. Okay, I'm going to say Mike Smith. Okay. Uh, this team's defense is quite bad. They uh, they have allowed the, I was just looking at it, I think the most goals in the Pacific Division, along with Vancouver. Uh, they've just managed to score more goals, 52 goals for. I mean, they've been rocking it offensively, uh, tied with... Uh, Colorado for the most goals in the league so far. But uh, to me, Mike Smith, an 8-7-1 save percentage. I mean, David Riddich has been playing real well. Uh, 9-2-7 save percentage. He's 4-1. He may be taking over that starting spot. Uh, but to me, Mike Smith still may need to be your guy when all is said and done. And so uh, I think even if Mike Smith ends up just being a backup and Riddich comes back down to earth a little bit with that save percentage, and uh, you need Mike Smith to be at least a nine nine zero eight nine zero nine type of save percentage, at least to give your team a chance to win. It's why he's he's five four and one because his team is scoring at an outrageous pace, and uh, despite James Neal not really producing much, they have gotten quite a bit production from guys that you didn't necessarily expect. I mean, who expected Elias Lindholm to have 17 points through 15 games, nine of those goals? Yeah, I mean, he's, that's shocking. He's playing very well. Okay, uh, let's scoot on over to the Eastern Conference. Uh, let's go with the Atlantic Division, and we'll start Ooh. with the one of the most disappointing teams in this Eastern Conference, maybe the most, the Florida Panthers, 3-5-3. Three, and three. They uh, really just have not looked good in any facet of the game. Roberto Luongo has been hurt almost all year. Uh, they have only played 11 games. So we take that into account when you go, all right, Detroit's played three more games than them and is one point up. So we have to figure that Florida's probably actually going to be higher than them in over the course of those three games. But they still, they're nowhere near a playoff spot. And uh, what, what to you, though, is the most 
disappointing part? Uh, backup goaltending. I think you, you touched on a little bit. You know, Lo- Roberto Luongo's been hurt all year long. Basically, he came back to Finland probably a game or two earlier than they expected. Got them a nice win on that second of back-to-back games. Um, he's got a 941 save percentage, which, again, a couple games in. It, don't read into it too much, but that guy is a driving force for that team. You know, he's one of those veteran guys in the locker room that everybody looks to as for leadership. I mean, if, and they look to his Twitter. Yeah, it's hilarious. Love it. Um, yeah, if he if he wasn't a goaltender, he'd be the captain of this team. Just his personality and the he way he was the captain of the Vancouver he, Canucks. Technically, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, he, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. They couldn't. They put a C on his on his goalie mask, which was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, he might as well be the captain of that team right now, and uh, they need him back because the backup goaltending isn't getting it done. Okay, uh, I am going to. Do, I mean, to me, this lies solely on your. I mean, we we know how important your centermen are. And uh, to me, Vincent Trocek and Barkov combined for five goals. Uh, it's just not getting it done. These, I mean, yes, they have nine points each. Uh, three goals for Trocek, two for Barkov. But hey, you, you really, when you're not looking for Barkov to be a guy who's only scoring, you know, 16 goals when the season is over, you need him scoring more than that. And Trocek's a guy who you're thinking he needs to score 30 goals a year for this team to really find that offensive production all through the lineup. Uh, thank goodness Keith Yandel's been still performing the way he performed at the end of the year. And Evgeny Dadnov leading this team in points with 13. So Yeah, shocking. Um, okay, let's go to your Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> uh, I'm going to... Oh, that's... It's just so sad. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'll tell you my my most disappointing. Yes, thing please. First. You go first. Uh, to me, when I you know I, I had no, I had zero expectations for this team. Uh, I have just not been a fan of the way that uh, the coaching staff has used a lot of these players. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, I think that Justin Abdelkader is he's put onto so many different lines. They're trying with so many different people because they're desperately trying to get him going because they're hoping for something magical to happen with him. And to me, Justin Ablocator, 100% needs to be traded immediately. Yeah, they they expected the guy who scored 20 goals a couple a few seasons ago. Not happening, let's be honest, because it's, it's a different game. He's not as fast. He doesn't have the skill to do it. And... You know, I I see too much of Babcock and Blashill in terms of the way he shuffles the lines up lines so quickly with that Detroit team. I mean, he's not doing as much in Toronto now, but when he was with Detroit, he would yeah, shuffle. Well, shuffle, when shuffle. when you have a really good team, you don't need to shuffle your line. Exactly. When you have a a lesser team, it can be very tempting to kind of see what can work. Yes. Uh, I just not a big fan of the way that they've used him and. Gustav Nyquist with one goal in 14 games. I mean, they, but he's still putting up points, which he's is good points. for them because that makes him very good trade bait. Putting up points, but I mean, he's only shooting at 3.2 percent. But you got to get a little production out of Nyquist. Yeah, that's that's the truth. Yeah, so let's uh, let's see how long it takes Detroit now because LA has fired their coach before maybe Blashill gets the boot and Dan Bilesma comes in off the bench and says, "Okay, I'm taking over now." Bye. Interesting. Yeah. What's your uh, What's your most disappointing thing about this uh, season? I got a long list, but um, the most to me is Anthony Mantha. And much like Eric Carlson, when you look at Mantha's plus minus at a minus thirteen. Now, granted, expectations again not high for this team. I expected them to be at the bottom of this division. However, 
there's something to be said when you're one of the worst plus minus players in the league and a guy who they expected to score goals only has three through 14 games. So not impressed. Need more from that guy. And I, and two, it doesn't help much when you're mixing him up and down the lineup as Blashell does. And really, he should be by Larkin's side the whole entire year because any other centerman is not going to be able to dish him the puck like Larkin can. And that's the guy you need to have confidence right now, Manta, if you want to see him keep scoring goals in the future. Okay. The Ottawa Senators at Ooh. five, six, and three. I think, honestly, at five, six, and three, they've been uh, their record at least is. I think they're right. They're probably right where I thought they'd be. I thought they would be able to have games where they could score some goals. We didn't think their goaltending was going to be very good, and their defense. Uh, Shabbat has been great. Not that we thought that he wasn't going to be any good or anything, but. Uh, I mean, he's just blown 17 points so far this year. Is unreal. I mean, they they traded Eric Carlson, I guess, knowing that they had another one. And Chris Tierney at that trade, too. And Chris, <laughs> yep, and Chris Tierney. So, But to me, the most disappointing thing is their play on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, anytime you get a, a huge disparity between the road and home, you wonder what's going on. Now, or this early in the season, probably too small of a sample size, but 4-2-2 two, and two at home. And only one four and one away from home, so uh, just just not not playing well away from home. But and as far as goal goaltending has just been it's been bad. Yeah, I mean they've allowed fifty nine goals, which is the most in the National Hockey League by a long shot. So uh, yeah, this team just they're not very good, but they're at least they've been more fun to watch than I thought. Yeah. Uh, that's that's fair and i for me i wanted to pick apart their penalty kill because that's 68.8 percent third worst and it's hard to imagine that somebody is actually worse than them two teams are actually worse than them who's worse than them uh philly and florida which would explain why they're both towards the bottom of their division but for me the most disappointing thing about this team is the fact that you don't have matt duchene locked up yet and i say that because if you're trying to build a team for the future He's he's a good centerpiece to have because if you they do have a lot of young guys in in the wings, you know, a lot of young centermen that they can develop, but you need somebody who can not only be a leader for the future but can kind of guide these younger players through the rough patches they're going to have over the next few years. He's the guy you want locked up and he's the guy you wasted all those that I mean that those trades I mean, yep, yep. So you you got to get him locked up because or else you you got just dismo- demolished on that trade. So hopefully signed soon, but we'll see. Um, I, I honestly have not read too much into what talks are going, what talks are ongoing, but yeah. we'll see. Yeah, not, not I haven't heard anything about talks uh, myself, but okay. Uh, let's go to the Buffalo Sabers, who are seven six and two. They're you know. I'd say they're about how I expected them as well. Uh, this division kind of pan, other than Florida, kind of panning out pretty, uh, pretty much exactly the way that we thought. Uh, my most disappointing player for this team is Sam Reinhart. One goal through fifteen games, a guy who scored you know, 20, 20, what twenty five goals last year had fifty points, and uh, to only have one goal through fifteen games, can't be happy about that. Uh, only shooting 3.3%. It's not like he's not at least getting a few shots on goal, but uh, yeah, you need... And I mean, really, he's got eight points, five of them on the power play, so three, three five on five points through 15 games. Not going to cut it for uh, a guy who is now really your... You know, you're hoping that he can be your second-line center. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, for me, I would have to say Casey Middlestat. Just, I think more because of the hype. Yeah, I think that's he, he was him. he was really hyped with it. Yeah. Yeah, and five points through fifteen games isn't terrible, but he he like Sam Reinhart was a guy you expected to compete for a second line centerman spot. Um, you know, maybe he's better suited to play up on the wing. Maybe throw him up there with Jack Eichel and Jeff Skinner, see what they do. Um, I'm not sure, but, uh, and, and another guy too, Rasmus Dahlin, I have heard very little about him this season at all, which is kind of surprising. The number one draft pick, you kind of hear more about either his, you know, lack of production or more about his production throughout the season. So yeah, it's unfortunate though, at the defensive position that production is really, it's like, well, is he putting up points? No. Okay. Then he's obviously struggling, right. but, uh, he is, he's been playing, I would say the games that I've seen him early on, uh, and then as the season has progressed, that Rasmus Dahlin does have uh, a, a veteran look and uh, and thought process to him. He's making to good him. decisions, and uh, of course, you're you're still going to get some you know, some mistakes from a, a rookie. But uh, I think he's a quick learner, and I think that you're going to see. I think we talked about this back in the uh, in the preseason that. We'd probably see Rasmus Dahlin start to really come into his his own self around February, January, February, and so I'm willing to leave reservations off the table until then because I think we need a bigger sample size than 15 games uh, to really get a good peek at Rasmus. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens, holy crap, are seven four and two, and uh, they they are fourth place in this Atlantic Division currently. In a playoff spot. How? I would have... They're another team like Detroit. I would have pegged to be at the bottom of the league, and for some reason, they're up at the top. In terms of the division, anyways. But Right, right. Uh, and, it, I mean, they're they're doing it all without Carey Price playing that well. He yeah. hasn't been that great. He's been, he's been better. He's been better, and at least he's been healthy. He's not $10 million good, I'll tell you that right now. No, no, he's not. Uh, but in terms of... Biggest disappointment. I he is not my biggest disappointment. Uh, my biggest disappointment. There's there's actually a collection of veterans. Uh, I'm gonna throw a few guys into this mix: Carl Alsner, Andrew Shaw, Thomas Placanix. Uh These guys have just. I mean, they've been scratched. I mean, it's, these guys are making. These guys have been. We're supposed to be at least core piece. At least Carl Alsner was supposed to be a top four defenseman, and he's played four games. Yeah. And, uh, and even when he's getting into games, he he has not been good. Uh, Carl Alsner to me is not only is he a disappointment this season, but uh, he's just been a disappointment overall. Maybe one of the worst signings that Montreal <laughs> has made in a, in a good chunk of time so yeah i gotta tip my cap though to claude julian for benching him because he knows this team has to be fast and carl alsner is not fast and to play him over i mean to play a guy like for example xavier we a guy who they just picked off the waiver wire got for peanuts basically um yeah and i'm detroit. wondering is detroit regretting losing xavier Willette, yeah. especially with all the injuries they had on the back end early on yeah so he's he's looked good and i'm glad that they've i mean don't get me wrong you you never want to see a guy who's making the kind of money Alsner is sitting, but it's it's a tip of the cap to Montreal for having the guts to do it. Yep, yep. I'll give him I'll give him that. Uh, let's go to the Boston Bruins, who are seven four and two. So to me, they're seven and six through thirteen games. Or uh, you know, they got shut out by Nashville in their last game, one nothing. 
this is the second lowest scoring team in the Atlantic Division. They've scored the same amount of goals as the Detroit Red Wings, who we made fun of all year for not being able to score goals. Yeah. And yet Boston doing the same exact thing. It's just <laughs> Boston's given up 23 less goals uh, in just one last game. So uh, they've only given up 30 goals, which is, uh, I believe, you know, they're like third third in the league in goals against. So uh, getting stingy goaltending and good defense. But what is going on with this team's offense? Good on Halak. Um, yeah, no, no depth there. But for me, the most disappointing thing is Tuka Rask. Um, don't get me wrong. I was not very high on Halak, the signing anyways. I did not think he would come in and play as well as he has. Um, he has stolen that net as far as I'm concerned. And I am completely disappointed because I have Tuka Rask in fantasy and he is basically on the bench every night for me because he's just he's been awful every time he's been in the net. And I mean, let's let's face it, they've got a goaltending controversy in there. Um, good thing they signed Halak to multiple years because, man, if Tuka Rask plays this bad and Halak this good for... You know, that contract is going to look pretty good. So we'll see. And like you talked about, the goals against is what's kept them in it because they got no scoring out of their depth players. Yeah, I mean, when you go and you look through this team, you're looking for some help offensively. And it's just, I mean, outside of the on five on five, outside of the, the top line of uh, Pasternak, Marchand, and, and uh, Bergeron, I mean, Either your highest scoring player is Zidono Chara. <laughs> Big three, With three goals. And uh, between him and Jake DeBrusque, both have two five-on-five goals in 13 games. Krejci's got one. Joachim Nordstrom has a couple. And really, and from there, you're just looking at a couple guys who haven't scored either one or none. And it just David Backus didn't do anything when he was in the lineup. Hurts, hurts desperately not having Tori Krug only getting to play those two games. And so uh, I think when Tory Krug comes back, this team will be a little bit different of a team offensively, mm-hmm. and they are managing without him. At least they're still winning or pushing games to overtime. But uh, And then in terms of shots on goal, I mean, outside of that top line, it's just nobody's shooting. So Yeah, let me uh, throw this scenario at you, though, because you, you hear – I mean, I've been adamant about it, just like I was with Tavares last year. I don't think Panarin or Bobrovsky resign in Columbus. Uh, more a higher percentage that Panarin doesn't. Mm-hmm. But say you, you know, DeBrusque, Heinen, these two young kids who you expected great things from, aren't producing like like they continue the lack of production they've gotten this year. Sure. Maybe you create a trade where you throw one of those guys to Columbus, so that Panarin loss doesn't look so bad. You bring in Panarin for the playoffs. And that would give you some secondary scoring if I've ever said so. Uh, that would make me cry a little bit. Okay, yeah, because they got to play Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, Toronto yes. is next, and uh, I'll let you tell me your most disappointing thing about Toronto, yes. and then I'll throw your team. Um, for me, it's a guy that um, who plays a ton of minutes. Babcock really loves, but is not producing. That's Nikita Zaitsev. Uh, yeah. Two points through fourteen games. Well, it's it's not even about the points for Zaitsev. He just no, looks, I know. he looks completely lost at least half the time. And he's out there for an average of twenty one minutes a game. Yeah. Well but who else is he gonna play? I I know that's the problem. Yeah. That I to me it's I don't know if it's so much Babcock putting trust in him as much as it is like, well, I gotta play him with someone else who's good. So he, you know, he gets played with Jake Gardner a lot. Yeah. And uh geez, yeah, he's just he's bad. He is bad. That is a that was their that's almost every team has a boo boo player. 
on their cap, mm-hmm. he's their boo boo player. Yeah, like Justin Ablocator in Detroit. And it's, and, well, it's, and it's unfortunate too that they're already weak at defense, and their boo boo player comes on defense. So, mm. uh, to me, most disappointing thing is their play at home, three and five at home, one of the worst home records in the NHL, uh, especially amongst playoff teams. I believe it is the worst uh, home record out of yet yeah, out of uh, teams that are in the playoffs. Six and zero away from home. So, not too shabby. I mean, and it's not like, you know, it's not like on the road they're going and they're, they happen to be playing really bad teams on the road. And that's why they're, I mean, they just beat Pittsburgh 5 nothing on the road. <laughs> uh, granted, you know, you see 5 nothing and you think, wow, they probably dominated. I'd say Pittsburgh had just as much opportunity to score four or five goals in that game. And uh, they got a little unlucky at a few spots, a, a broken stick here and, you know. Uh, so there was, it wasn't necessarily a, a shellacking of game, gameplay, but uh, yeah, they're winning good games on the road. It's not all against garbage teams. So, uh, got to figure out a way to win at home. Okay. The Tampa Bay Lightning, ten three and one, twenty one points, uh, second in the NHL. Tough to find holes in this team, but really tough. But you are disappointed in what? I found a big hole, actually. A big hole. A big hole. Uh, their salary cap situation. Okay. Because uh, they have... Uh, look at you going outside the box. Uh, yeah, I am. Thank you. Uh, they a little under $2 million in cap space right now. Uh, luckily, they've got Corburn, Dan Girardi coming off the books next year, Anton Strollman. So that'll free up some cap. But a guy by the name of Braden Point is tearing it up. Destroying them, and league. he and Yanni Gord look unstoppable together. So, what do you? You're going to have to pay this guy some six to eight million dollars, I would think, to keep him around. I mean, you're going to have to give him some some good money. And you know, if they want to be competitive, they got to fill that back in uh, somehow. Uh, you know, luckily they got McDonough and Hedman back there, but you're going to need some more pieces. You know, and then the summer after that, Sergachev comes up. So you got to pay him too, and he knows he's in line to be their, you know, their third highest, you know, most productive defenseman. So, um, yeah. So for me, and oh, let's not forget Yanni Gord's new cap hit kicks in next year too. So there goes some of that uh, Strawman Corbin money that comes off the book. So yeah, their their cap situation to me is most disappointing because I think this is going to open up the opportunity for teams to basically steal Alex Kalorn, Tyler Johnson, take one of those decent players from them for peanuts. Okay. Uh, to me, it's Steven Samkos, 10 points Ooh. through 14 games. Only four goals, though. That's what I'm looking at. I mean, okay, he's going to put up assists because of the guys he plays with. you know. So to me, I'm looking at it. I'm going, all right, you've got four goals and uh, only one on the power play in 14 games. That's something to me that when you you, know, you think about Steven Stamkos, what do you, you're thinking, oh, he's a guy who's going to get you goals on the power play with that one-timer from the circle. And he just hasn't been able to do it so far this season. And so... Uh, you just wonder, you know, what's going on with, with him. I mean, granted, Yanni Gord, you're right, and uh, Braden Point have more than made up for their his slack, I guess you could say. But, uh, I mean, he had 15 power play goals last year, and he's no he's going to come nowhere close to that this next year. So uh, an 86-point season last year on pace for about a 65-point season this year would be, I think, a pretty big disappointment uh, okay. from your highest-paid player. So. Okay, well, that's the Atlantic Division, and let's Metro. Here we Wrap go. Wrap it up. Last division, the New Jersey Devils. Oddest who, division. Uh, 
yeah, this division is it's it's a little weird. It's a little bit weird. Uh, the Devils with eleven points, five five and one. They've lost three in a row. What are you most most disappointed about with this team? Uh, Taylor Hall's two goals. Yeah, what happened I, to Taylor? Yeah, uh, thirty nine last year. So I mean. When you look at him, he's shooting at a 5.6 percentage right now. It's got to go up. It's got to go up. I mean, last year it was 14, which was a little bit high for him because he typically averages around between, you know, 8.5 to 10.5% over the last five years prior to that. But, um, yeah, he's they need more from him. They can't rely on Kyle Palmieri to score the goals for that team. They're not going to go anywhere if they're relying on that guy. So get it going, Taylor Hall. Yeah, I, I'm just going to echo it. Okay. There, there really is... You want to find the disappointing, the reason why they're in last place in comparison to last year, and, and then the reason why they were in last place the year before, Taylor <laughs> Hall couldn't score goals. And if Taylor Hall doesn't figure it out, this team will finish at the bottom of this division. And uh, it's a very difficult place to be when you are really relying on one single player, not to mention the fact that their their goaltending to me is still, even though you know in terms of numbers, they haven't been that bad Uh over the course of this season with Corey Schneider, Keith Kincaid, it just does, it doesn't look like a good situation. Uh, okay, the New York Rangers, a team that's actually trying to be bad, uh, that hasn't been as bad as the New Jersey Devils, 6-7-1, and one, and uh, they have won three in a row coming out of the basement of that division. Uh, but despite those three wins in a row and very low expectations coming into the year, uh, who is disappointing you thus far? Uh, I think the team as a whole that they're not embracing the rebuild. I you look at some of those forwards the way they play, uh, they're producing enough, and Lundqvist is producing enough to win them games. Like we said, well, those players aren't just going to not play. No, I know, I know. I, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just teasing. But they need, they need to lose games if they want to start this get this rebuild kicked in a gear. Well, so because, you think they need to trade players? Yeah, like do, do something. Get rid of you know. Uh, you know what's his face? The Russian kid from Tampa. Domestikov yeah, has to only go. one goal through thirteen games. Yeah, yeah they Kev, need to. Kevin Shattenkirk could be a, a really sure. nice piece to move if you could convince him to, to move. Yeah, and, and at six million dollars, a team that really needs defensive help could find a way to squeeze it in, and you trade back maybe some cap space, and you say, if you're the Rangers, give us a high draft pick, and we'll take them. Yeah, I um, think Chris Kreider is a guy that probably needs to be moved. I, I think you could move a lot of these guys. I don't think that they're yeah. going to be around for the when this team gets good again. No, but I, I do feel instances. bad for Henry Lundqvist because I've always loved him. And to see him say, I'm going to stick it out here, knowing that he's going to probably retire and never win a cup uh, unless they rebuild very, very fast is disappointing to me. Yeah, it's a bummer for him, but he did have the opp- he did have opportunities. Oh, yeah. And I, they probably will at some point go to him and say, hey, do you want to get traded? Do you want to go to a team to possibly win a cup? I'm sure that will come in, up again. in his yeah in a final season or something like that. But who knows? And maybe it would be to I don't know. Would he let them trade him to like the Islanders or something? I doubt that. He'd have to be like Western Conference. Yeah, you know, I, you could go back up some team. I mean, you could even hell if you want. You could trade him to like Columbus and a team that's like okay, Bobby's not sticking around. Maybe let's hey, let's bring in. That would be Lundquist, pretty crazy. It would be actually would same be. division. I don't see that happening either. But yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, let's move to the Philadelphia Flyers, a team that we a lot of a lot of people had improving, and uh, a team that I had winning keep, the division. You haven't won in the division. That's right. I did. That's right. Well, they can't keep the puck out of the net. Oh my gosh! Uh, and they're six, seven, and one. So. To you, what is the most disappointing thing about can't, this team? Can't keep the bug on that. The goaltending, atrocious. 
It is, yeah. I mean, goodness. I mean, Brian Elliott, I, I used to really like him when he was back in St. Louis, and I thought when he went to Philly, I'm like, good, good. He doesn't, they don't have to worry about Jake Allen anymore because I didn't like Jake Allen back then. And I said, good, he can go somewhere where he knows he's the number one. And that worked out pretty well. He looked decent in flashes last year, but can't stay healthy. Uh, 3.1 goals against every goaltender here, not even close to a 900 save percentage or a three point goals against. So, uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, I got to agree. I mean, when you can't get good goaltending, you're going to be bad. Oh. Bring on Carter Hart. And it also is disappointing that Van Riemsdyk gets hurt in his, the second game of the season and uh, would, would love to see him come back healthy and, and play well because I, I do like the guy. And, uh, as it, you know, been with the Leafs for a long time, it's it's hard not to root for him. So when he comes back, I do, I do think that that does put players into the right spot in the lineup and uh, will help improve their power play even more. So uh, could be a nice little addition here soon, which I think he's, I think he's out for what? Three months or something like that. Yeah, it? it wasn't wasn't a pretty number. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Washington Capitals, defending Stanley Cup champions, really are five and seven on the season. They've just happened to lose three games in overtime, uh, and have been kind of sh- just sputtering through thus far. Although they've played a couple less games than a few teams ahead of them, but the Washington Capitals. What are you most disappointed about? Same thing as Philly. The goaltending. Uh, Braden Holpe. 0.888 save percentage, 3.62 goals against. Phoenix Copley, he's getting a start tonight too. Um, 3.55 goals against, 8.82 save percentage. It's just, it's ugly. Numbers all around, no matter how you chop it. Uh, I don't care if you're an advanced statistics guy or not. There's no way to make those numbers look good. Yeah, this team, I, I kind of get a sense when I'm watching, they're really not playing tight hockey at all. No. And uh, I'm, I'm wondering if there's a little bit of a, you know, Barry Trotz leaves, and if this is just—I mean, remember before Barry Trotz got there? I mean, the the whole reason they brought in Barry Trotz was to tighten up this team, and he tightened up maybe a little bit too much at first, and then found their sweet spot really when they, you know, go to the Stanley the Cup right finals time. and win the cup. Uh, and then he leaves, and perhaps some of that defensive mindset has uh, has vanished from that team and they just yeah they they look pretty middle of the road uh now at any point they can go on a crazy scoring burst which i mean ovechkin does have 10 goals in 12 games so he's on pace for almost 60 goals again <laughs> uh not too not too shabby they are getting goals from all Is throughout their lineup they're gonna slow down honestly and they they depth wise they look like they're really they're in good shape it's just yeah, can Brady is Braden Holtby was that playoff run like kind of his last great yeah. moment in his career, and uh, it's time to maybe maybe this is a team that they call upon Lundqvist and say, hey, you wanna you wanna come over here for one run, and because wow. he could he could turn it on real quick in the playoffs. Wow. He always does for some reason. I like that thought a lot. Uh, let's go to the Carolina Hurricanes, who are six six and two. So I mean, it's funny we talk about their success. They're actually six and eight. <laughs> yeah, typically they you know they're not they haven't played that well. Uh, exact same home record as away three three and one, and uh, just kind of middle of the road in terms of goals against. Middle you know middle of the road in terms of goals for maybe a little bit low. This uh, Hurricanes team is a weird one, but they at least are in the playoff conversation so far. Uh, what to you is the most disappointing part of this team? 
Make it three in a row because I'm going to say goaltending again. Okay. They just they they can't figure it out. Scott Darling back healthy finally. Uh, oh and two, still three goals against above for this guy. They just they can't seem to find consistent goaltending, and I don't know now because they've got three goaltenders all under 900 save percentage. Um, maybe it is the way that D works back there, the way the teams, you know, pl- playing a little loose, playing a little wild. I I don't know. You know, generally you you know I'm again I just talked about how I don't like to look at production mm-hmm. from an on a defenseman as saying okay this defenseman's really good or they're not playing well because of course a defenseman if if we think about the way that the position has evolved uh and you're you're thinking about all right this defenseman's really good because he can make a good first pass well hopefully after that first pass the other players have made a couple passes as well on their way into the net so he's not getting an assist for that uh it is interesting though when you look at carolina and you go okay their leading defensive point getter is justin falk with a goal and five assists through 14 games uh, then you've got Dougie Hamilton, also with five points, two goals and three assists. Jacob Slavin with five points. Brett Pieski with three points. Trevor Van Riemsdyk, three points. And Calvin DeHaan, only one point. To me, that's that tells me that they're really getting hardly any production from the back end. Yeah, and remember, too, I think it was Hamilton. He came out like... I think I want to say he had like four points through six games. And yeah, yeah. He was, he was cooled off hot. big yeah. time. So, yeah, and, and I... I'm going to say that that is going to point to something. You know, you've got to, your defensemen need to be a part of the play in order and eventually are going to get points. You know, defensemen, defensemen that move the play, they just end up with at least secondary assists. And you're not even seeing that with this, uh, this team up front. They're really doing very little outside of Sebastian Ajo. Uh, it would be you know real nice to get someone else going, you know, for all the, for all the hubbub about like Warren Fogle and Andre Svechnikov, six goals between the two of them, you'd like to probably see a little bit more production out of those guys too. So, uh, okay, let's go to the Columbus Blue Jackets, seven six and one, basically seven and seven. They're three and four at home, four two and one away. Kind of have a Toronto Maple Leafs issue esque, and uh, yeah, this team. How I mean I don't know where where you thought that they were going to finish I don't remember but I I had them I think missing like just kind of bubble yeah I did team, I, right? I think I had Carolina right ahead of them in fourth and I, I I wanted to say it was four and four from each division in this conference so yeah yeah I think I have them just making it yeah I I think you did and I think you had Carolina swapped with them yeah, so yeah yeah. Uh, Boy, why don't why don't you go first here, Mark? I wanna... Well, they've been getting scoring from all throughout this lineup. I mean. Certainly, maybe the most disappointing part was not having Seth Jones for the first half of the games that they've played so far. Uh, Zach Wierenski's looked much better since Seth Jones is back. And like I said, I, I we found out, I think I said, we're going to find out that Seth Jones is the best, is the better of the two. Sure. And I, I think that's what we found out. Yeah, we, and uh, imagine where they would be, too, if he had been here healthy the whole year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Riley Nash with two points through 14 games, they bring him in to be the you know a third line plug, but mm-hmm. a guy who really produced last year when moved up the lineup and was able to be used in some different different places when injuries came upon. And uh, he only has 12 shots on goal through 14 games. So wow. uh, Riley Nash, uh, disappointing because he was the free agent signing that they had uh, in order to bolster this lineup. 
Yeah, wow. That's yeah. Now it makes you wonder too if it was more or less that he was getting points because he played so many minutes with you know Pasternak. And, good players. So, yeah, right. <laughs> but that so. does mean that he has the ability to play with good players. Sure. And so maybe you know, do you play? Try moving him up in the lineup, yeah, uh, and which they've done a little bit, but they haven't had the same kind of center depth issues that Boston had when they were when Bergeron was hurt and stuff like that. So, yeah. uh, you know, maybe the opportunity comes. But for me, uh, I, I think you probably have an idea what I'm going to say. But it's the fact that Artemi Panarin isn't traded yet. I, I mean, honestly, this guy has been pretty clear that he's not staying in Columbus. He wants. He wants to be in Miami, New York. He wants to be in a big major market, big city where he is flashy. He is the guy. I mean, the Rangers seem like prime to take him. So, yeah, but, why haven't they? But why why not keep him until the trade deadline? Because you're probably not going to get that much more for him right now as you would then. Do you think? And I mean, you at least have the opportunity to have him help you win games until then. Sure, I, I don't disagree with that. I do feel that the value of him gets less and less the closer they get to the deadline becomes teams know that i mean what their gm already came out and said that hey we're not going to lose him for nothing so teams are gonna be like okay well let's just outweigh the gm because if we just sit on it and just say okay well we'll give you a seventh rounder for him eventually he's gonna have to take something right and he's not gonna get no yeah he's not gonna he's not gonna give him up for a seventh rounder you just go okay well we're gonna keep him yeah screw you um i mean don't get me wrong i think at the deadline nobody's I don't I honestly don't think he could probably get a first second and third like the wings got for Tatar I think teams would hold out more and be like hey we'll just you know we'll we'll give you a first rounder maybe and that's about it I Um, think I think someone would be willing to pay huge for Panarin two first round picks I mean I guess if a team like maybe Boston for example is that desperate for some secondary scoring sure I I won't a team that thinks that I mean Panarin isn't like it's not like oh we're adding a little top six winger you know, we're adding a we're, superstar. You're adding top 10 winger in the league. Yeah, I will give you that. And I will say maybe if there's conditional draft picks attached to it, you could see more. Whereas like if he resigns, you get another first yeah. rounder or something. Yeah. So, yeah. But they need to trade him. They need to find Some, out. What, something similar to the Carlson deal. You sure. see. There you go. Okay. Good enough. Well, moving on. Okay, let's go Pittsburgh Penguins. To me, my uh, the most disappointing player on this team is Matt Murray. Four three and one, whatever his record, but eight ninety save percentage. He just has looked a lost at times and has really fallen from graces from uh, <laughs> two years ago winning two straight Stanley Cups. Just can't seem to find his his game yet. Is it health though? I mean, honestly, could be health. Yeah, yeah. That's ooh, that's rough. Well, I am really happy that Riley Sheehan has already scored a goal this year though. <laughs> So he does not, you know, have to doesn't worry have to about wait that. 81 games again. I mean, he, sure. might, he still might take him 81 to get the next one, but a, a. all right. Uh, for me, uh, Jack Johnson, honestly, I mean, two points through 12 games. Don't get me wrong. I wasn't expecting a ton out of him this season, but I think for what they paid and what they're getting in terms of production on the back end, you got a guy who is basically playing second pair of minutes at 19 a game. Uh, minus seven on a team where even if you're playing with the first or second line, you should not be a minus seven when you got Malkin or Crosby to pass the puck to. So that's fair. Uh, yeah, Brian Rust and Carl Hagelin too combined two goals. So Ouch. that's not going to help. Um, the New York Islanders Stop. first place in first. the division after winning five in a row uh, and have announced that they're. I think they're going to play like a most of their rest of their games at the Nassau Coliseum again. They're going back. I think wow. I just saw something about it. So, uh, yeah, 
that's a, a random little factoid there for you. So, okay, the New York Islanders, obviously we did not expect them to be in first. It definitely helps when you win five in a row. And yet some disappointing uh, aspect. I mean, it's it's obvious to me that a, one goal from Matthew Barzell in 13 games is over the course of a season not going to cut it. No. I mean, he, he did score, what, 22, 21 last year? So, yeah, so he's on pace for about mm, eight goals right now. Eight goals. Not even. I think about seven goals. Wow. Valtteri Fippola has more goals than him with four. But. He has four times more goals. Than <laughs> he's 400% more goals. Which, speaking of four, uh, Jordan Eberle, for me, is the most disappointing because this guy's in a contract year. Seven points through 13 games. Not terrible, but for a guy who is supposed to be like him and Josh Bailey are supposed to be, or Anders Lee, those three guys are supposed to be scoring goals for this, this team. They're supposed to produce, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I expected him to produce a little bit more one. So when he hits free agency, if he did, he could cash in more. And two, if Islanders are going to trade him because they can't resign him and he doesn't want to stay and wait out a rebuild, they can get a good return from him and he can go somewhere where a team that, you know, it's like, hey, man, we got a shot at a cup. Let's get Everly because he can produce. Right. Like, right. that's not going to happen now if he's not producing. What team's going to be like, okay, let's go get this guy? I mean, he's, at this point, he's still, he's about, what, around 45, 50 points. Yeah, which, not, not horrible. Don't get me wrong. Goals, and he'd, be, he'd be at about mm, 25 goals. But at this right. point, if I'm a team, I'm thinking, okay, if we need some depth in terms of third line production, yeah, I might go grab him. But I'm not, you want him to be, he needs to be a top six kind of guy. He's also not, he's just not playing with the same kind of caliber guys. I mean, I think a lot of these players, you know, Brock Nelson, Anders Lee, Josh Bailey, a lot of these guys gleaned off of John Tavares and now he's gone. And so, I mean, Brock Nelson still has seven goals in 13 games. I mean, he's showing that he still is the real deal. Anders Lee, five goals in 13 games. It's not like these guys are slouches, but it's just that, you know, Eberle plays well with really good players and maybe that's just kind of the guy that he is he needs really good players around him to produce i don't know yeah and kudos to uh to barry trotz for getting this goaltending in shape too grice and leonard look pretty dang good right now so yeah yeah and uh i mean for all the talk of you know halak leaves and he's playing really well somewhere else and Mm -hmm. it's like well you know maybe it was just the islanders uh and their coaching style yeah it was yeah obviously their coaching style not their personnel because they've played very well and if this team makes the playoffs mm-hmm. they are Barry Trotz will win coach of the year oh yeah absolutely hands, hands down <laughs> yeah they'll, they'll you have to when you take a team that just basically couldn't stop the puck from getting in last year and now they're just nobody's keeping it out almost as much as them unless Vancouver keeps doing what they're doing Do you give it, would you give it to them though I mean if Vancouver makes the playoffs yeah would you yes yes okay. Travis Green gets it because I mean as the Islanders last year were I mean they were they still I don't think they're expected to be that bad. Like it was it was kind of like ah eh, they'll be like probably sixth in the division. I mean, but seven. when you lose, okay, don't get me wrong. I the, the Vancouver Canucks they still have some top end talent like Brock Besser, uh, Elias Patterson is making it easier for Travis Green to look really good right now. But when you lose a superstar like John Tavares and you can still keep your team productive and competitive, yeah. But it also I, I don't know. you would just go well. I mean, this team. Yes, yes, he he had to ch- kind of change the style that they were playing, and yeah, he he's made a lot of changes. Absolutely, uh, not saying he wouldn't be worthy of it, but just the fact that right. Vancouver people were like, "Yep, this team's all set to be last place in the league," and 
they're doing some doing some things right now. Although I do think that when all is said and done, they will be towards the end of the, the yeah, bottom of the I don't league. think either one of these teams make the playoffs still, but I could be wrong because... I hope we are. Yeah. I like being wrong. No, I like I don't. surprises in the playoffs, honestly, just to yeah. see. Yeah. Like New Jersey was a nice little surprise. Colorado was nice to see push yeah. Nashville a little bit. So maybe yeah, we get that fun. this year. Makes it fun. All right. Well, that is all 31 teams in the NHL and our biggest disappointments. I hope you enjoyed that. Let us know if uh, you have a bigger disappointment than what we said about your favorite team or any of those teams. Tweet at us at OT Hockey Talk. We will be back on the weekend. Post-surgery. Some, uh, some surgery on Wednesday. So uh, look for an episode then. And until then, you know, just, just, just keep watching hockey. See, the Leafs actually scheduled everything around my surgery. <laughs> they have a game tomorrow night, and they don't have a game until Friday. So I'll be, like, pretty much on the mend by yeah. that point. I shouldn't be, like, totally out of it. And so, uh, you know. That was pretty nice of them. That was real nice. That was nice of them to know yeah. the future. Uh, Although us. maybe they could have told me, uh, you know, hey, you might fall off that, that scaffolding ladder. if you don't <laughs> do that. Yeah, DM us, though, if you want to you wanna know where to send Mark some flowers to, by the way. Oh, boy. No, you can send me, like, beef jerky, though. Ooh. That would be cool. I wish I'd gotten that instead of balloons and flowers from my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Should have told your mother that you're a man. Oh. oh. All right. Well, I'll talk to you guys soon.